Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The morning show. The home team. No, it's both. It's the crossover with Sam Franco and Chris Brain. Crossover! Presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville, right here on 960theref.com. What's up, everybody? Sam Franco and Chris Brain back with another exciting episode of The Crossover. Presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville, right here on 960theref.com. Plenty to get to today on the back half of this episode. We're going to talk some crouton as it was widely expected for Georgia to have a pretty quiet national signing day yesterday. And they end up flipping a five-star from Auburn and getting a tight end over Alabama. So that certainly bodes well for Georgia, and we'll get into that here in a second. But first, we're going to start with this week's fully loaded question of the week, and it comes from me. Uh, We will start to give out our gift cards next week on the podcast. $20 gift cards to Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville. All you got to do is send a fully loaded question of the week to 960theref at coxradio.com, and then you'll get a $20 gift card yeah. to Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen if we choose you. If we use your question. Exactly. You don't have to do it. You mean, all you have to do is type and hit send. Literally. Just type in a question and send it to us. And, and granted, it has to be a good question and sports-related, or else we're probably not going to talk about it, unless it's about food or something. Then we may dive into that. Right. But for now, I am going to deliver this week's fully loaded question of the week. And I pose it to you like this, talking about the Super Bowl. Does Sean McVay think we're stupid? Uh, in terms of what? Uh, pretending well, that the, something's the, not wrong with Todd Gurley? The way that they're handling the Todd Gurley situation and how he has said that our plan going into the playoffs was to split the kind of load between the two. And, both, and look, Todd Gurley's also not saying anything about an injury. But if Todd Gurley is 100% healthy and... Sean McVay's game plan in the Super Bowl was to limit the touches for his best player. That's coaching malfeasance. It was really bizarre because the uh, the the times that Gurley touched the ball and a couple of those long runs he had, even though that one was called back because of a hold, like it didn't look like he was hurt. No, it didn't look like there was anything wrong with him. But um, there's really no other explanation as to why suddenly over the course of the playoffs, the Rams would have just stopped using him and leaning on him the way that they had all year and uh, pretty much for his entire career since he's turned pro. Yeah, exactly. So uh, for for that situation to unfold the way it did in the Super Bowl, and, and we'll obviously talk about the game a little more here in a second, but that's obviously the biggest story to come out of it, particularly for our, from our perspective because we're Georgia football-centric. So we wanted to see Todd do well, and a major shout-out to Sony Michelle, who scored the game's only touchdown and yet somehow didn't win the MVP. Only on that team can that happen, by the way. Well, it went to, uh, you know, honestly, I thought the MVP should have been Gilmore. In a defensive game where it he was 13-3, to three, and he had the, even though it was, you could have said he committed pass interference to play before, but he did, 
He did prevent Cooks from catching what would have been a touchdown pass by holding his left arm so he couldn't get it up. And he had like two other passes defense. So in a game where you give up three points and what is, you know, arguably one of the great defensive efforts in the history of the Super Bowl, that Rams team scored over 500 points this year. And then they scored three. Yeah. Of course, they weren't using the same personnel that they used all year to get to their 500 points and uh, going back to Todd Gurley. I will say it was a little funny that, you know, the the Rams got to the Super Bowl based on a blown call on, or a missed call, rather, on a pass interference. And then the Brandon Cooks thing happened because that clearly looked like pass interference to me. Yeah, I, mean, well, I, I know that it's hard to see from that angle, but, you know, if we're talking about reviewing penalties or no calls again in the future and they review that one, that one would have came back for pass interference, or it would have gone forward for pass interference because he was holding his arm down the entire yeah. time. His arm was being held down in just a classic Patriots moment. Of course. Only they could get away with pass interference yeah. and then come back and intercept the very next pass. But um, uh, the, the greatest, I don't know who did it, but someone did a, a Twitter meme, and it was Fred from Scooby-Doo. Have you seen this? I haven't seen this. All either. right. Fred from Scooby, the blonde-haired one, right? Yeah, Fred, the blonde, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the, the blonde-haired, the good-looking dude. guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Fred from Scooby Doo is unmasking, and he's holding then Sean McVay's face, mm-hmm. and it's Jeff Fisher. Yeah, and it's like we knew it was you all along. That's awesome. And uh, you know, because what other explanation could there be for uh, for that Super Bowl? But it is. It's like the NFL deserved it after all the nonsense on conference championship game oh, weekend, yeah, sure. and the Rams like being like illegitimately in the game, it's fitting that they they only scored three points in what is one of the worst Super Bowls ever. Yeah, absolutely. And I heard uh, Trey Wingo going off the other day. It's like, oh, these people saying the game's boring or whatever, and you still watched it, just shut up or whatever. I'm sitting there like, dude, you don't get to dictate what I or any – buddy watching this game thinks about it it's like it's the super bowl he of does and he I'm works gonna, at espn though well it's a, of course i'm gonna keep watching the game it's the friggin super bowl that doesn't mean it's a good game just because i'm sitting there watching it it was a horrible game and it was also the lowest rated in a decade i will say this though it was better than a blowout in the sense of at least you had to stick around to the end to see who was gonna win sure it, it was, was horrible close. execution in terms of you know wanting to watch football like uh, Rams Chiefs from earlier this season. It was not. No, you know, it was the it was exact the, opposite of exactly. it. Exactly. Neither team could really execute that much on offense. Tom Brady, of course, steps up in the moment that his team needed him. You know, he he executes that drive, leads them down the field. They end up scoring the touchdown with Sony Michelle, and you know, six Super Bowl rings. Now uh, that's a whole different discussion for another podcast on on you know just where he stands. I think at this point you've got to call him the greatest football player of all time, at least in terms of accomplishment. You know, talent-wise, there's a whole other animal you can go into there. But what he's done has been truly remarkable. And for him to step in in that moment when he wasn't particularly having a great game and still go down the field, drive them down, was impressive. But, again, the execution on offense, I'll say this. Sean McVay certainly has a lot of questions to answer for the offensive performance. Wade Phillips, I don't think he really has any. They held the Patriots to 13 points. Yeah, that would have won every game this year except one. They lost to the Bears, only scored six. Mm-hmm. But if you only scored 13 points against the Rams this season, you would have lost all every but, other game. All but one time. Mm-hmm. And uh, But, yeah, and the Rams are going to have – I know this is going to be the final year of uh, Goff's rookie deal. Mm-hmm. Yet, so, at the end of 2019 – He might not be back. No, I mean, they're going to have to – I think they've got a decision. And I, that really – that turned me into a Jared Goff skeptic again, the of performance in that game. Well, that's the thing. He's been so hot and cold. Like, he's he's certainly been much better under McVay. 
than he was under Jeff Fisher, which might be the understatement of the century. But still, he just there are moments, and he did not look really right the whole game. I mean, the body language, he, he always – he kind of looked like a deer in headlights like the whole time. He did, yeah. And so, you know, that's something they have to fix. Or it's something they don't have to fix because here's the thing. Sean McVay, Jared Goff's not his guy. You know, he inherited Jared Goff. There may be a quarterback out there that he wants a lot more. Maybe, you know, you uh, maybe you trade Jared Goff, tank, and then get Tua. <laughs> oh, I want Tua for the Dolphins. Well, yeah, I mean, or who Trevor, doesn't want Tua? Or Trevor Lawrence or Jake Fromm. Of those three guys right now, Fromm, Lawrence, Tua. I think anyone. The Dolphins have to get one of them, please. <laughs> you keep saying that. Come on. I got three cracks at getting a really good quarterback. You don't like your quarterback that played wide receiver in college? No, I mean, I'm, I, would, I would expect they'll be cutting him Probably in the next so. couple of weeks. So. Probably so. But, you know, the Super Bowl overall, bad game. Kind of dud halftime performance, other than when Big Boy came out in the caddy. Wearing that dead animal. That's right. And then they put on the, uh, the AT Aliens jackets, which I thought were pretty cool. Which didn't look good on Adam Levine. It did though. not, no. And he also looked really goofy standing there next to Big Boy and Sleepy Brown, who were doing like the cha-cha slide while singing I Like the Way You Move. And Adam Levine's just sitting there goofily white boy dancing. <laughs> like, you know? Also, can we talk about why it's okay to see his nipples but not Thank Janet Jackson's? Thank you. It's extremely <laughs> sexist that we can sit here and look at Adam Levine's nipples and his, you know, discount uh, – discount department store graphic tee tattoos because that's what every single one of his tattoos look like. If you went to a discount department store and looked in their graphic tee section, that's what all of those <laughs> where, tattoos Where he had California like. tattoos. Yes, like that's yeah. what all of those tattoos look like. They look like some rip-off Ed Hardy like shirt or something Well, maybe like they that. weren't real. Maybe it was like he was wearing those fake sleeves. Yeah, maybe he <laughs> had like a dry fit, like, yeah. like completely skin-tight shirt. But no, I agree. Uh, just overall, the game itself was a dud. The commercials were duds. The Hyundai one with Jason Bateman with the elevator, I thought was pretty cool and pretty funny. The best one was the NFL 100. Of course. Yeah. And so that's the thing. When the NFL produces the best commercial, a commercial with Roger Goodell in it. Right. And I also thought the Pepsi whole campaign was pretty whack. Like when they were like, is Pepsi okay? And then Steve Crow's like, is Pepsi okay? And then he names all this stuff. And it's like, dude, y'all are self owning yourself. I don't even I don't even remember that one because I I I I didn't even really like when when commercials came on I would actually get up to go and like get something else to eat. Well, that's like, because I, I think over recent years they've they've slipped. Yeah, so I don't even remember that one. The one I remember the the, the Doritos one was horrible with uh, Chance the Rapper in the Backstreet. Boys. And they're usually good. Yeah, Doritos. That was bad. I the the NFL 100 I remember what was there was a, a guy there was I like the uh, the Audi one for their electric cars. Where the guy's like daydreaming and then he gets the Heimlich maneuver so, in his chair. Oh, I know the one I liked. I liked the Bud Light commercial that turned into a Game of Thrones ad. That was awesome. Yeah. Although R.I.P. Bud Knight, the uh, the what was it the um, the, the mountain, mountain. Yeah. grabbed his head and squished his skull in like he did to uh, the guy uh, uh, that tried to fight him. Uh, he, he in did that the one guy season. from the from the guy that ended up in Narcos. Oh, that guy's in Narcos too. Yeah, the yeah, guy who played Oberon Martell. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I need to go see that. That's how, I guess that's why he ended up in Narcos, because he lost his job on Game of Thrones. Yeah, he got his head crushed. <laughs> or his brain was popped out the top of his skull. Yeah, so RIP to the Bud Knight, <laughs> who lived on one of those Atlanta buildings on the side of it for like a week, and then he gets his head crushed. So he's officially dead now. I mean, I would think so. He got his head crushed, and then I think Bud Light tweeted like an in-memoriam video <laughs> about the Bud that's Knight. That's too bad. <laughs> yeah, he well, got That's kind of like our guy Larry Culpepper. Yeah. I'm glad him. Dr. Pepper didn't do that to him. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> It could have been 
even worse for Larry than just losing his job. He could have gotten his head crushed by a zombie. By the mountain. Yeah, that's right. So uh, certainly that was a good commercial. You're right, where they merged the two things there. Uh, I like that as well. But again, other than that, it's kind of a dud Super Bowl, kind of a dud, you know, everything surrounding it. And now we, we push forward to next season where the Falcons have already made three pretty big cuts uh, in the past few days to their roster, cutting Robert Alford, cutting Matt Bryant, their all-time leading scorer, and cutting Brooks Reed. And people are asking, you know, what are these moves for? They're trying to free up cap space for something. And I saw where one of the betting sites had the Falcons in terms of uh, favorites to, like, make a move for Antonio Brown. Uh, The field was plus 350. The Falcons were plus 400. So they were the highest individual team in terms of odds to do that. It would certainly be interesting if they were just trying to – it's like, you know what, we're just going to, you know – do this bend but not break thing on defense. We like the pieces we have. Now we're just going to try and beat you on offense. Certainly an interesting way to go about it, but that's just one rumor. There's also rumors about shoring up the defense and making a run at a guy like a Jadavian Clowney or a D Ford. They need to shore up the or offensive line, too. Yeah, I would too. I, I would think uh, either a future cut or some sort of reworking of the contract is coming for Ryan Schrader. And Vic Beasley, I think, it too, because he's on the last year of his deal that's not guaranteed. So you would assume that cutting him wouldn't do a whole lot to your cap. So I don't know if you want to maybe try just take one because he's on the last year of his deal. So do you give him one more chance? Not at the price. No, hell no. They're not picking up that fifth-year option. He's going to have to rework his deal. But I think Schrader and Sanu are two guys that are going to be cut or they're going to have their deals redone because after drafting Riley Ridley – who had a good rookie year. But does Ridley, can Ridley do the same stuff on the outside that he does in the slot? That's the question. Yeah, I mean, that is that is going to be a, a big question for uh, for Ridley. And that's but why, as long what as, if they were to go get Antonio Brown and have Julio and Antonio I, and leave Ridley in the slot? I get to, if When it comes to like the NFL and the idea of like, boy, this team is just one or two players right. away, I that, promise that's you, never the, case. the one player an NFL team is is never missing to, a wide receiver. To, to get to a Super Bowl or get to the top is a wide receiver. You say that but what about when the Patriots added Randy Moss well, they didn't win the Super Bowl they didn't but now they were going anyway well that's probably true but I mean just look at the stats I mean you give Brady Randy Moss he throws for 50 friggin touchdowns you yeah. know what I mean like well I mean it'll make Matt Ryan a fantasy gold mine if it they would did that. it would but I mean I don't know I don't know why that, that the Falcons were installed as a betting favorite to Adam that was certainly strange other than the field of course but, um, you know, if they were to end up, it'd be interesting. Although Brown's dealing with some off-the-field stuff right now that uh, he probably needs to get, you know, taken care of before in terms of, like, a domestic violence allegation or something. Well, and he just had – it was a, a real diva year in Pittsburgh. And, well, I, and, and he know, threw I furniture, like, off the, off the balcony of his, like, condo in Florida and some, like, uh, parent or guardian of a two-year-old is suing him because the furniture almost hit the kid. Yeah, and then I mean, he was on The Masked Singer – uh, he was horrible on the mass singer. You got the boot the first episode. He was the very first one, but that, that's like that. The Falcons don't need to entertain bringing that nonsense into Flowery Branch. No, I'd, I'd, a agree, move. I'd agree that it, it's weird that I saw that as like in terms of like an individual team other than the field, they were like the betting favorite. And I'm sitting there like, that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense because this isn't an Arthur Blank move. But the reason I give it credence is because it's Vegas and, you know, <laughs> they don't just throw stuff out there without having some sort of maybe insight into it. Yeah. So that's why it was weird to see the Falcons in that position. But at the same time, you know, Vegas doesn't just make stuff up usually. So it doesn't seem like a Falcons move because, you know, we, we all know how Arthur Blank and the, the type of character and whatever he wants on this team. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. 
you know, making a run after a Jadavian Clowney or a D Ford would certainly shore up your defensive line or at least help. That'd be fun bringing in D Ford, who is the GOAT and not the greatest of no. all time of the AFC Championship game. That's right, with the uh, the jumping on offside to give Brady one more shot. Yeah, after they, they got the interception right, but it was yeah the, the Chiefs jumped. picked off the pass. It would have just it would have ended, ended the, the game. game. That's what I'm saying. That was giving it. Brady one more chance. Yeah. yeah, and Brady, you know, the greatest all, of all time, never bet against him. He would have ended the AFC Championship game throwing an interception. He would have, but you know, the NFL wasn't going to let that happen. Well, no. <laughs> I mean, in deep, listen, that D4. was I mean, D Ford was he, he was, was he was in the neutral zone. Yeah, absolutely. It the Patriots' the right left tackle wasn't on the line of scrimmage either. But no, that's another story for another yeah. day. But no, I mean, <laughs> Jadavian Clowney. I mean. If the Falcons brought him in, you put him on the same D-line with Grady Jarrett, who's one of the up-and-coming top young tackles in the league on the defensive front. You know, if Tack McKinley continues to develop, you know, I don't know what you're going to do with Vic Beasley. I don't know what the plans are in the draft. But, you know, a big name like that. We saw the Rams this year, too, because a lot of teams don't build via free agency and trades in the NFL. It's more do what you can do in the draft and then supplement with those things. But, I mean, with the Rams, they added Anamik and Sue, Marcus Peters, and Aqib Tlaib. And they've got yeah. some questions to answer, too, like from I, that now. Yeah, I think the Rams felt like they had a, they had a real opportunity to, uh, to get to the Super Bowl this year, and it paid off for them by making all those moves. But that's not usually how a team gets to the Super Bowl, you know? No, but they had, you know, like they, they had the other the nuts and bolts in place. They had a quarterback that until the Super Bowl was good. You know, they're solid at running back. They're receiving core. They, you know, Whitworth was a part of that upgrade, too, with those free agencies. So they really built a force on the offensive line. But with the Falcons, we know the priority number one is Grady Jarrett. Oh, you got to get him signed. Yeah. And that's with all this money they're freeing up now. You've got, they drafted him in the fifth round, and they're about to have to pay him like he, was a first-round draft pick. I think after the moves yesterday, they freed up. They got about like $30 million in cap space. And then, obviously, some more moves coming would free up even more. Right. And then you're going to have to – I'm guessing they're going to rework Beasley's contract. They're just not going to let him walk. That's the thing. But, I feel like they're not quite ready to give up on him yet. And Dave, on the morning show with me, made the comparison to Brady Anderson, which I thought was a very apt one, where, you know, Brady Anderson, the former Oriole, was averaging like 19 or 18 homers a year. And then – out of nowhere, he gets to 52. You know, with Vic Beasley, it's like four sacks, five sacks, four sacks, 15 sacks that one random year. And a lot of that had to do, I think, with having Dwight Freeney on the other side. Sure. And then the year after that, they made that stupid call to put him at linebacker. And that's and that and probably messed back. him up, too, because it, it, it took away a year of his development with his hand in the dirt, you know, from from that kind of perspective. So you, you, you took a year away from him. In a yeah. Sense. I, I, I got a feeling they'll... They, I, I would lean toward them probably bringing him back, obviously in some restructured deal. But Julio, they're going to redo his deal, which they might be able to – they'll extend his contract, but they might actually end up saving them some money in the they, short they term. They can rework the cap to where the cap hits later on. Right, but that's you know that's some money that's going to go into there. The Jarrett deal is certainly uh, – Big and then you know they're gonna have to have some room to to sign whatever their draft picks. Like Kevin Coleman's a question that Dimitrov said he wanted him back, but that doesn't seem possible. Yeah, I would think he's gone because they just did that deal with Freeman, and then I you know we got hurt at the end of the year. But Ito Smith looked good. I did see that Jonathan Stewart is uh, getting released from where he was. I believe it was with the Giants. So. You know, that could be an interesting one-two punch. Much more of a difference in styles, too. Like, if the Falcons went out and got a Jonathan Stewart, he's more of a pound-it back, whereas Devontae Freeman's smaller, can kind of do some different things. So I think that'd be an interesting change of pace. But anyway, lots of uh, decisions for the Falcons to make, and we'll see if they make the right ones 
uh, now that the Super Bowl has come and gone. All right, on the other side, we'll talk Cruton. Georgia had a pretty good day on National Signing Day, despite already having most of their hay in the barn. A few surprises from Kirby Smart on National Signing Day. So we'll get to that here on the crossover. Coming up next, we're presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville. Friends and family piled around the table, sharing big cheesy slices of pizza, golden baked calzones and strombolis, plate fulls of zesty lasagna. It's not Nana's Kitchen in Southern Italy. It's Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville. At Fully Loaded, you'll find all these Italian favorites like wings, salads, and hoagies. A full bar and patio, too. Family dinner, date night, or hanging out with friends. Get more out of it at Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in the Manders Crossing Shopping Center off Mars Hill Road in Watkinsville. All right, we're back here on the crossover on 960theref.com. We are presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville. Sam Franco, Chris Brame along with you here. Don't forget, starting next week, if you send us a fully loaded question of the week and we pick it, you will get a $20 gift card to Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville. So free pizza, all you got to do is type us out a question and let us choose it, which, you know, not really uh, rocket science or anything there. So hopefully uh, we'll start to uh, receive some really good questions for next week as we start our giveaway of the fully loaded gift card to Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville. 20 bucks of free pizza. You can't ask for more than that. No. I mean, that's a pie right there. Maybe even a couple of pies, depending on what size you want to pick. Absolutely. All right. We'll uh, move along here on the crossover. Time to talk some crouton as National Signing Day light or part du or National Leftovers Day, as Jeff Sintel called it. <laughs> Just uh, so many different ways you could go here. But Georgia already had, you know, basically, I think it was 21 signees and, and then Tyreek Stevenson, who was committed, so he became 22. And then you added two more pieces in five-star receiver George Pickens out of Hoover High School. Uh, that's Hoover, Alabama, by the way. He flips to Georgia uh, away from Auburn. So in this cycle, Georgia got the number one and number two players out of the state of Alabama. And then you also beat Alabama – uh, later in the afternoon on National Signing Day for Brett Scyther, the uh, tight end out of Clearwater, Florida. And that was a both positions, wide receiver and tight end, positions of need for Georgia. And to get those shored up on National Signing Day to really round out the class. And I saw rivals bumped uh, Georgia ahead of Alabama for the number one class in the country because of that. Great day for the dogs. Yeah, and tight end was the spot, I guess, post the early signing period that became thinner. In, you know, I don't know how much that really caught Kirby off guard. I know Luke Ford had been home anyway during the holidays, not practicing with the team, so the fact that he ultimately transferred probably wasn't that big of a shock. And I don't even know how you know how much of a surprise it was that uh, Isaac Nauta ultimately decided to to enter the NFL draft. But with uh, those two, and then Jackson Harris, who graduated, your tight end ranks went from six guys to down to three, and then Ryland Good, who's coming in, who signed during that early period, is you know he's hurt right now, so. You know, is he going to be available for spring ball, and you know how uh, much will that rehab carry into the fall? So you're looking at right now. I mean, two healthy tight ends on the roster, so that was definitely a big get. And you know, with Pickens, one way or another, it's uh, guy was going to Auburn. Had been committed there for a long time, so it's just good to not only do you get him, but he's also not going to Auburn. And that continues to be is for me when I think about uh, the the work that Kirby's done in recruiting the last couple of years. Uh, and all the five stars that he signed. But probably what impresses me the most is how many players we get that are committed to other powerhouse programs. 
and uh, his ability just to to keep working, keep working, keep working, and 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 eventually flip uh, players is uh, is what has me just blown away more than anything. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that when you know you look at some of these guys, um, you know, I was watching some tape of uh, of Pickens, and that guy's a monster. He's huge. He's not a burner receiver, not yeah, a speed guy. Right. Great hands physical receiver on the outside that's going to bode well in the running game for Georgia in terms of the guys you want on the outside blocking so uh, again just a a great get for the Bulldogs and uh, you know you talk about getting Pickens and getting Scyther not only do you get them but Auburn and Alabama don't yeah so that's almost just as big yeah to win recruiting battles from those two schools too just makes it even uh, makes it even sweeter and what was going to be a great class uh, one way or another, whether Georgia got anyone yesterday or didn't get anybody, I think uh, Georgia was in line to to sign probably no worse than the the number two or the number three ranked class. But just to add a couple of those pieces at two positions that did suddenly become uh, positions of need. Uh, when you look at uh, the receiver depth too, after Ridley and uh, Hardman decided to turn pro, plus Godwin uh, was a, a senior and graduating anyway. You know, Holloman was the leading returning receiver from last year's team. And then after that, yeah, I mean, Tyler Simmons was the next most targeted guy that played wide receiver last year. I think we threw to him like 16 times mm-hmm. last year. That was it. So, you know, honestly, as far as returners go, the the next guy that's still here who had the most passes thrown his way was DeAndre Swift. Yeah, and look, I, I think you've got, you know, J.J. Holloman who had a breakout, tremendous season. I think there's still a lot to be said, or, or, or at least a lot for – Demetrius Robertson to come out and say and prove that, you know, he's worth what Georgia went through to get him, obviously. And he showed flashes last year a few times, but, you know, to really give him the opportunity to to step in there. And also James Cook, that's another one where not just in the in the running game, but in the passing game, you could see him come in and really kind of throw a wrinkle in there. So I think Georgia has set themselves up to have a you know tremendous season this this upcoming season and look the the depth on the offensive line has already been built you know I mean they've already yeah. got uh, tremendous help there and that's the thing usually when your offensive line play improves your total team improves and so for Georgia with Coach Smart Coach Pittman this regime it seems like an offensive line that's already been great the last two years is going to be even better next year, which in turn should make Georgia better overall. Well, it, it becomes an attractive destination, or it should be for any quarterback. And then oh, if yeah. you've got a, uh, an elite quarterback, then guys that play wide receiver are going to want to follow and yeah. catch passes there, tight ends. Uh, running backs are going to run a run behind those lines. And what I love about the O-line, and even you know, Georgia was able to sign three guys in this last uh, cycle too, that you could start now projecting out what the offensive line is going to look like two or three years down the road and not just for this upcoming season where you're really like stressed about well like you can even cobble together a two deep and now in this instance you could start looking ahead to like all right here's what the line's going to look like in 19 here's what it's going to look like in 20 and then even go on to 2021 we could probably say with a pretty good you know high degree of certainty what uh, Georgia's starting five will look like and you know two three seasons from now yeah so the dogs just continuing to keep things rolling and recruiting We'll wrap up this edition of the Crossover Brain. I'm just going to read you this tweet, and I want your thoughts on okay. it. This comes to us from former Georgia Tech standout and former New York Jet and Giant, Coleman Rudolph. Now, see, he's a listener. He's tweeting to us? No. Oh, okay. This is just in general. It's no secret that as a whole, GT has had better coaching over the last 30 years versus Georgia. 
The future battles of Coach Collins versus Smart will be no different. The question is talent and talent depth. Gets like today, and he's talking about them getting a four-star running back over Auburn and Louisville and NC State and some other schools. Says, gets like today could return us to streaks like O'Leary's last four years. Does he mean O'Leary? O'Leary, and also like two of those games, the refs cheated. Jasper Sanks. Um, But anyway... So those that's his thoughts. He thinks that over the last 30 years that in the Georgia-Georgia Tech series, Georgia Tech's had better coaching. Funny how he says that, and then all you got to do is kind of look at that and think about it. Wait a minute. When was the last time Georgia Tech beat Georgia in their home stadium? The last time they did it, it legit- 20 years. And the last time they did it legitimately was in 1989. That's true. Because the time bef- the the time after that was the Jasper Sanks fumble. That's right. So the last legitimate win they had over Georgia in in Atlanta in Atlanta was in 1989, which is absurd. So I mean, for him to say that, and obviously he got pounded on Twitter for it because if you say something like that on Twitter, shocker, people are going to get after you. Right. Uh, so his response: Clearly, I know nothing about coaching football, etc. So help me out. If UGA puts out superior talent every year, which is measured by stars and draft picks, versus Georgia Tech, and you lose near 30% of those games, what's the reason? That's going 7-3 and three in a 10-year span. If not coaching, then what? Well, it's a rivalry game for one, so you kind of throw records out the window. It means more to some guys and stuff like that. And, you know, cut blocking, I think, helped uh, Tech a little bit in that span, too. But... Again, so it's funny that he's using that. So basically with that last tweet, so you're assuming that Tech should never beat Georgia then by that logic, right? He's right about that. They they should never beat Georgia. He's assuming that Tech should lose 100% of the time. They should. And he's like, well, we only lose 70% of the time. So that's way better. What are you talking about? What kind of logic is that? Tech should lose 100% of the time, but the reality is, is they're not. And uh, that's been the case in this uh, series. And, you know, a couple of times they've come in. That game in 2008 was one where they uh, they ran all over Georgia. But you know, that one where we squibbed kick and then Butker knocked that 50-yard field goal to send it in overtime and they won. I mean, that was one Georgia gagged away on its own. Right. So, you know, again, I, it's funny that Georgia Tech is basically based off of one running back recruit that they got over Auburn and NC State and Louisville is already getting really loud, and it's like, look, I get it. You got a new head coach. You're excited, but, you know, taper expectation a little bit. It's going to take a while for you guys because kind of like we're seeing with Georgia basketball right now and and just completely changing their philosophy, there's some growing pains there. Georgia Tech is going from a high school option offense to trying to run a legitimate, you know, pro-style traditional offense it's going to take a few years they should stink this year they did however sign a a defensive end from belgium uh yesterday so they do have the top player out of belgium well that's good yeah so i'm 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 worried about him like there's not a defensive end anywhere in the state of georgia that would have been better than a guy from belgium it's like you talk about keeping him in the state (laughs) well at least you got to keep him in the hemisphere yeah like what so yeah that that had me shaking although they do make good chocolate and waffles and beer that's true. Yeah. They, they, the Trappist monks of Belgium know how to make some beer. Didn't no they, they knocked us that. out of the World Cup, though. They uh, did. Was it eight years ago Even now? Even though Tim Howard tried to act like a brick wall, yeah. unfortunately, just wasn't enough. So, yeah, we were knocked out by Belgium in the 2000. I guess that was the one. Uh, it wasn't the most recent World Cup. It was Cup. the one in Africa, wasn't it? Yeah, South Africa. No, it was the one after that in Brazil. 
That's right. That's where we yeah. lost to them. So, yeah, but Belgium, good waffles. We'll see if they make good football recruits, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> the we'll top see. player from Belgium. But, I mean, when you're, when you're popping off about your recruiting or anything and you're pulling in defensive uh, linemen from Belgium. Yeah. Man, come on. Take a step back, Chief. Now, he was the – I'm reading – he was voted the ABC player of the game after their win over North Carolina in 1992. So, oh. he's got that on his resume. Well, there you go, Coleman. Yeah. All right. So, you know, it don't – so, when he wonders, like, I, I probably know more than you do about this. I was the ABC <laughs> player of the game. <laughs> Again, it's like, well – we should be losing to Georgia 100% of the time, but we only lost to them 70% of the time. So Yeah, well, he, he is right about that. They should lose to Georgia every I agree. year. All right, we'll go ahead and wrap this episode up. Don't forget, send your fully loaded question of the week to 960theref at coxradio.com. It's very simple. Just type out a question. If it's the best question in a given week or whatever, we'll choose it, and bam, you'll get a $20 gift card to fully loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville. It's very simple. Just type a question and send it to us. Yes. 960 the ref at coxradio.com. It's free pizza. Yeah, it's almost like Sam was talking about Sean McVay and uh, his usage of girly being malpractice. Like if, if you're not sending us a question to get free pizza, that's that's committing malpractice. Yeah, that's stomach malpractice. Yeah. What no are you doing? question about that. All right, he's Chris Brame. I'm Sam Franco. Thank you so much for listening. Back next week with another exciting episode of the Crossover Podcast presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville right here on 960theref.com. You've been listening to The Crossover with Sam Franco and Chris Brain. Presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville on 960theref.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.